It is uh, no secret to any of us that our times are troubled. And um, we want to do our very best today. Uh, Brandon, you can help me if this isn't right, but I think what you're going to witness today <laughs> is our best attempt to be obedient to what we just read. Um, Pastor Brandon and I have had a relationship for quite a while. We've known each other for a number of years, and for some reason, he hasn't stopped hanging around me yet. Uh, most people that know me for that long, they just figure it's not worth it anymore, and just decide, hey, you know, find something better to do. <laughs> Brandon has a lot of grace, uh, so that's good. Um, the other thing that I, I really had to think about this week is like Brandon uh, came out of the womb with uh, great physical attributes. And so when you know you're going to be on a platform standing next to somebody like this, I, I went and got my hair cut. Like I don't have much to work with, but a guy's got to try like the best that he can when he knows he's going to be in the presence of somebody like this. <laughs> I want to make sure your microphone is powered on. I can't hear you. Are you on mute? Testing. Yes. Okay. There it is. All right. All right. So we only have three points. They're all in the bulletin for you. Uh, this is going to flow in a sense that uh, I really anticipate uh, Brandon uh, sharing and just had a couple points where I might find meaningful. I'll interject just a little bit. But uh, part of uh, Brandon asked me just yesterday we were meeting, he said, Kevin, what's your purpose? What's your goal? And I said, well, I didn't want to have to do all the work to preach this week, so I found somebody else to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Uh, of course, but I said, hey, uh, my goal is that we, we do what is in these verses, that we do our very best to emulate that and to challenge anybody who comes, challenge anybody who's listening to uh, try to figure out what it means to be obedient and to develop relationship uh, in listening and seeking to understand. And so I think that that covers us this morning, and we'll just start off by saying that we're not experts. We can't answer every single thing. Uh, you have a postcard in your bulletin. If there are questions that you have that come up during this, write them down and hand them to us. This does not have to be a one and done. All right, we can, uh, we can record a video and answer your questions. We can have another night uh, sometime to, to plow into some of this a little bit further. All right, so there are other outlets if you have questions, things that come up as, uh, as we're sharing this morning. Uh, we encourage you to use that postcard and to hand those to us on the way out. Uh, that'll help us to know if there's uh, further ways that we can serve during this time. Amen. Brandon, why don't you begin? Sure. Uh, let me just say... Thank you for allowing me to, to come here today and to have this conversation, to have this discussion. Um, I want to put you all at ease in case anyone is nervous or concerned about this dialogue today. Um, I come before you and to you as a brother in Christ and as a friend. Um, these conversations are not easy. Okay, and typically you'll find that these conversations happen within the confines of our, of our communities. Um, but today we're having a discussion and we're going to talk about some edgy things, um, but we're mixed. Amen. I'm black, African American, and um, in case you haven't noticed, you're white. <laughs> and these conversations, um, they're very delicate, very sensitive, and I think at 
at the drop of a hat, they can, they can go left and we can lose one another in these types of conversations. I want you to understand that that's not my intentions, that's not my goal. Um, I do not um, stand before you as an angry man. I understand the world that we live in and the context uh, in which America um, exists. And we've been dealing with these scenarios. We've been dealing with these issues um, all my life, all your life, um, since the very beginning. It's very layered. And I'm not here today to talk about everything regarding the obvious, which is race or prejudice. I'm not here today to talk about all of those things. Um, it was very complicated for me, actually, through this week to try to narrow down my thoughts because I am emotional and I do live the black man in America experience. And so having to sift through all of those feelings and emotions um, so that I can get back to the, the, the desired place that I feel like God desires for us to be. And that is uh, that I am a Christ-believing um, individual and that um, I love God. And because I love God, I understand that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. And so that you are God's and so am I. And so that we're brothers and sisters regardless of the partitions and, and, and the obstructions that we find ourselves stumbling over as a society. So I want you to be at ease, okay? I'm, I'm praying that during this talk, I won't say anything that will offend you. The reality is, though, is that this is not good. If you would agree with me, nod your head. Our nation is in crisis, aside from the pandemic, right? Our nation is in crisis. And, and the, the, the main drive that's fueling this crisis is our, our people's perception of injustice. The reality is, is that injustice exists and it's messy. It's nasty. Would you agree with me there? During this talk, if you could shout me an amen once or twice. Um, I know that'll I be a little receive, different, okay? I, I know that'll be a little different. I know. You can do it. Ask for it. I, would, it. I would receive it. I'll just let you know. I will not reject it. I will definitely receive an amen here, here once or twice. So I want to speak to you about the cries of injustice today, okay? Kevin said, we can't answer everything. That's not my goal today. That's not his goal today is to answer all the questions. I pray that this is the first of many times where we can come together and have a conversation and talk. I do not stand before you as the authority uh, that speaks on behalf of the African-American community. I am a black man and I have uh, an opinion. And um, God obviously feels like it, it needs to be heard. So I want to talk to you about the cries of injustice today. Okay, I think that when you sift through all the things that you see on the media and that you're hearing about and, and that are being kind of brought back up, if you will, I think at the very heart of the issue, you'll find that we are dealing with an injustice uh, in this country. And it seems like it is directed toward a particular group or, or community of people when honestly there are injustices everywhere. And there are injustices in, within every community. Um, but 
our, our nation has made a lot of progress through the years. We've come a long way from where we were 350, 400 years ago. Would you agree with that? Amen. We've made a lot of headway even since the 60s. Would you agree with that? Yes. A lot of headway. And I'm so thankful for the progress. But I want to I I challenge you today that injustice is the one wrong slash sin that can and will undo our progress as a nation and set us back 70 years. Would you agree with that statement? It is very, very edgy. Okay? It has to be dealt with uh, uh, gingerly, with understanding, and, and not with ignorance. Okay? And I personally do not want us to digress. I don't want us to go backwards 70 years. Okay? We all see within the history books, well, some of the history books, we see uh, on TV, the media, what those times were like. And, and it, was, it was nasty. It was bad. Our nation was under duress. And when that happens, nobody's moving ahead. Nobody's winning. Okay? Everyone's losing. Because we're all Americans here, and I personally desire for you to do well, and I hope you desire for me to do well. Amen? I feel like the world is a better place uh, when everyone is treated fairly and we are all considered equal. I think that's the cry. Honestly. You know, I may not agree with everything that's going on today, but I think that that is what I can kind of ascertain through the emotion. You know, you hear people say black lives matter. And sometimes those words get lost because people's reaction to them, and, 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 and I've found that sometimes people's reactions are, well, all lives matter. And I agree with that statement, but I, but I, but I have to say that that rebuttal misses the mark of the point of Black Lives Matter. Now, I'm not here to defend Black Lives Matter. I want, you, I want to be clear, but I want to say this, and maybe it will help, under, help others understand that I think the cry is, it's not black lives matter more than other lives, but black lives matters as well. I once heard a very famous person say this because he was asked about, what do you think about that term, black lives matter? And he said he thinks that it's remedial. He thinks that it's a term that should never be have, or have to be stated. It's one that should already be understood. He said, and until we get to the point where everyone understands that black lives matters just as much as all other lives matters, you will never have to say that term again. And I agree with him on that. I believe we've stooped to such a level where we have to say these things when you shouldn't have to say them. Amen? There we go. There's one. I believe that there's a deeper issue here and that this issue is one that people are so passionately protesting about. The issue of people who have or committing or are committing a crime don't deserve justice. Now let me say that again. Because see, a lot of times these points are hard to pull out of all of the emotion that's going on that you see today. Okay? 
And I want to stay focused on injustice today. So a cry that I believe that is going on within the African-American community is, is that people who have or are committing a crime don't deserve justice. Now, specifically within the African-American community, and I strongly disagree with that idea. How many of you understood what I just said? Yes. The cry is people who have or are committing a crime don't deserve justice. And I said, I have some information here that uh, will dispute that idea. And so I strongly disagree with that idea. And I feel that even though people who have made mistakes and committed crimes in the past or that they are currently committing crimes deserve justice. Now, let me skip ahead here and tell you what injustice is and then we can kind of ascertain what justice is. Injustice, obviously, obviously is the absence of justice. It is a violation of right or of the rights of another person. So having stated that plainly, even though a person has committed a crime or guilty of a crime, they still have rights. Would you agree? Would you agree? They still have rights. But a lot of times what we're seeing today is we're seeing the police, and I, and I, I firmly believe, well, well, let me say this. I, I'm not here today to uh, throw out any general accusations. Okay? I don't believe that all police are having an issue today. Okay? I don't believe that. How many of you agree with that? Some of you may have police officers in your family and no police. They are having a tough time right now. So let's remember to pray for the police officers today. Side note, I used to want to be a cop. I'm so glad I didn't go through with that. Because the challenge that they have, their character is being questioned every day. Their integrity is being challenged every single day. As it should be, because we do have to hold them accountable. Would you agree with that statement? We have to hold them accountable, right? But man, they are having a tough time right now. And I don't believe that all police are bad. But I believe that sometimes police officers, they have a tough time in the heat of the moment. Keeping their emotions in check. Remembering all of the laws that are going on. And then, you know what makes it bad? is that you have someone who seems to be or are resisting arrest. And so they're putting up a fight and things like that. And so you have cops who are saying, man, listen, I just want to be done with this situation. And what's happening is, is we're seeing at an alarming rate in the African-American community. When the cops' lives aren't in jeopardy, they're deciding to pull the weapon and pull the trigger. Now, I don't know where you stand, and I'm not trying to be here to disagree or stand toe-to-toe uh, with you about this, but I feel like, I think at the very root and at the very heart of the matter, when humanity kicks in, you and I both know that something about that scenario is wrong. Would you agree with that statement? Something about a young man or a man of Af- African-American descent 
is running away from a police officer and the cop decides to pull out his weapon and fire. Let me put it a different way. If your son or your daughter growing up went left when you told them to go right and they made some errors and mistakes and they found themselves staring down the barrel of a gun of a police officer and they're frightened and they take off running. Let's say they're guilty and they made some mistakes. Would you be okay with your child being gunned down like that and they were just running away from the cop? Would you be okay with your child being gunned down like that without giving that person the process of justice and giving that person the opportunity to say, I committed a crime, I'm wrong, I'm sorry for it, I made a mistake, but please give me an opportunity to right my wrong. Please give me a chance to come back and say, yes, I did it, but is my life worth the crime that I committed? I don't know if that's up to the police officer to decide. Am I making sense? I don't believe that that's up to the police officer to decide. And so you have Brother Floyd, George Floyd, who is the person that we're, that all of this is kicked off regarding. And what happens is, is when you see in the media regarding George Floyd, it seems that sometimes what seems to make what happened to him a little bit better or a little bit easier to digest, the media will say, Oh, but he was a criminal. Or, oh, he had a lengthy record and a history of committing crimes. As if to say that what happened to him may have been unfortunate, but to some degree it's kind of justified because he has a career of crime. I strongly disagree with that. And the church, I feel like, has a responsibility to hold up the bloodstained banner. One that says, though I was guilty and yet in my sin, if it weren't for the cross of Jesus Christ that nailed my sins to that cross, you and I wouldn't have a second chance today. I'm so grateful for the mercy of God that saw me in my mess ups, that saw me in my sins and said, but still yet I love you and I have grace on you. I want to have mercy and extend mercy to you. I want to give you a chance to get up out of your mess and up out of your mistakes, turn your life around, and therefore you can use your testimony to glorify me. I think that that's what God desires. George Floyd may have been guilty of passing a counterfeit $20 bill, but was his life worth it? I disagree with that because I see my son. I have two beautiful black young boys and sometimes they're knuckleheads. How many have raised boys? So you understand, right? Sometimes boys are knuckleheads. I have some young men down here smiling because they know how much of a knucklehead they are sometimes, right? The reality is, is I was all over the place growing up. Man, and I think about had I been cut down in my sin, I would have never learned the lessons that I do that I have now today. And that uh, I feel like they contributed to the man that I am today. I wouldn't have had an opportunity to tell the, the next generation, don't go that way. 
Because I went that way and it didn't end well for me. And so I don't want what I'm saying to get lost. We're talking about justice, but we're talking about really the church's reaction or response to injustice. I feel like we have a responsibility uh, to hold up to rise above these scenarios, these situations. Because I feel, I feel like God has blessed us with a blueprint of how to live in this world. Even though he said we're in it, we're not of it. But he showed us how to live in the world and to live peaceably with all men as well within your ability, amen. And then when there are offenses that happen, to lay down your sacrifice at the altar and at the altar and go to that individual and say, hey, listen, I was wrong, I made a mistake. But we also know that God also is a God of judgment and righteous judgment and a God of justice. And so you and I, we cannot sit back, turn our eye and say, well, that's not my situation. When I feel like God is charging the church today to be the example on how to respond and handle these scenarios. It may seem an insurmountable task, but that's where the Bible says two are better than one. Right? We're stronger together. And I really feel like if we just had a little more understanding and compassion, a little more empathy, and less judgment, and more of holding up the laws and the statutes of God that maybe we can see a little healing in our own communities. So George Floyd may have been guilty, but could the officer have gotten off of his neck? I think he could have, right? Because at the point where the officer, for the 8 minutes and 46 seconds that he kneeled on his neck, he was subdued. He was handcuffed. And though he was a large man in stature, he was no threat at that point. And I watched that video and I, my reaction was visceral. And I will not stand here today and tell you how I responded, but it was one of anger. And I said, man, George could be here today. Now, I don't know George, but I feel like, man, he could be here today if the officer had just said, you're right, I'll get up. When the man says, I can't breathe, you're right, I'll get up. Doesn't he have a right to breathe? Yes, he has a right to breathe, right? Just like Dylan Roof, right? To not make this about black and white, but I do want to kind of pinpoint the differences that we find that we deal with in the African-American community versus other people in their communities, the Caucasian community. Dylan Roof, I don't know if you know this, but he was a young Caucasian male, that went into a Bible study in a church in the South, an African-American church, and he sat through Bible study. I believe he even prayed with the people, and after the Bible study was over and he prayed, he gets up and he slaughters nine people with a weapon. Dylan Roof was when he was subdued, was hungry. And some officers went to Burger King got Dylan Roof a value meal. There's a difference here in the way that police are policing the communities. Their desire or they, their, their objective is to protect and to serve. Amen? They're there literally to protect you and to serve you. Now I understand that they have a hard task at hand but 
to kill a man, whether he intended to or not, over $20 is a problem. Especially when after a person literally slaughtered nine people, said he was hungry and was given his right to eat. In my closing for this point, I didn't know that there is a getting arrested checklist. Did you guys know that? There's a checklist that exists and it existed when Dylan Roof was arrested. And it is a checklist of rights that a criminal or a person who has been accused of a crime has. And that's what this is here. And you can go down this checklist and you yourself, being the person who has been accused of a crime, could literally determine if any one of your rights have been violated. Where was this checklist when George Floyd was accused of passing a faulty $20 bill and he was confronted by police officers and he was subdued and a man had his foot on his neck and he was breathing for air. These cries for Black Lives Matter, I may not agree with everything, but I do agree with that Black Lives Matter as well. Is that making sense to you? George Floyd had rights and they were violated. Dylan Roof had rights and they were acknowledged. I want to point out to you the heart of God. And I really think that that's what you and I should be after, is the heart of God. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17, it says, Learn to do good, work for justice, help the down and out, stand up for the homeless, and go to bat for the defenseless. This is an exhortation by the prophet Isaiah in a day where there was social injustice and the sin had gotten so bad of the people in Judah that it had reached God's nostrils and he was disgusted with what he smelled and he sent his prophet to say to these people get it together because my heart is for justice my heart is for the down and out my heart is for the homeless and yet you're supposed to represent me in this land and your character says otherwise. Maybe you and I can pull uh, a challenge from this word today. Maybe you're not guilty like the children of Israel were in this particular time. But what if you and I can say, I'm, gonna, I'm going to lift this particular scripture out of Isaiah. And I'm going to hold this up as a banner. To remind myself every single day, even if I'm not guilty of prejudice, right? Because there's prejudice on all sides, aren't there? Even if I'm not guilty of prejudice, I still want to be an example. And I think us as believers are reminded of the scripture that says that we are ambassadors for the Lord here on the earth. We are representatives. Anytime you profess Christ and you say he is your Lord and Savior, you stand out as an ambassador or a representative. And people are watching you regardless of if you know it or not. And if your actions are unbecoming of the scriptures, 
then people will look at you and say, I don't like the example you are. And I'm done with God because of you misrepresenting him. It's a reproach. I don't want to bring a reproach upon God. We have an opportunity to bring glory to his name. Can, I give, can, can we give God a, an amen in this place? We have a chance to glorify and magnify the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't want to be guilty of bringing a reproach, a disapproval of the community, if you will. Amen? Brandon, as I'm listening to you uh, today, I'm, I'm probably processing uh, at a speed that is challenging me, okay. and I'm processing in a way that as I'm listening, I don't know that I could ever match the experience that you are sharing and the passion perspective from which you share those. Um, I just want to say a couple things on uh, the points that we made. Those, those weren't just there to kind of keep you distracted while <laughs> Brandon was talking. Um, just, just a couple of things uh, on this um, that, we, that we talked about. There's two main verbs in this whole thing, and this is going to really kind of go well with what you said. Uh, the one is in verse 2. Paul says, complete my joy. That's a command. It's an imperative in the Greek. And he says, complete my joy. And so Paul, he wants nothing less than the Philippians to come down off of their glorification of self and to uh, humble themselves and to unify. You see the commands here that follow uh, are, are about unification. The second main verb in this that's also a command is verse 5, which is have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And we know that there is uh, no glorification of Jesus that would ever happen had he not humbled himself. He came from heaven, the, the perfect glory, down to earth. And that's what, that's what the challenge is for you and me. We can't construct these worlds where our opinion is all that matters and we seek out everybody who agrees with us and we feed ourselves that information all day long. We can, but we'd be very limited and we would fail at Philippians chapter 2. Jesus, in order to accomplish our salvation, came down into the sticky, the messy, the muddy, the murky, the awful, the rebellious, the hatred, even of himself, in order to save us. And it cost him his life. How much more could we just step into maybe a territory and humble ourselves where we don't understand and we need to listen and we can be obedient to verse 4 which says, let each of you look not only to his own interests but also the interests of others. I tell you, I don't understand Brandon's perspective on everything that he shared today. I can't fully understand it. Right. But I can try and I can listen and I can ask questions and as we build trust... Uh, I can probably ask more honest questions, sure, sure. and I can even say dumb things. Like, there's some times that I'm just Kevin, and you know me, I say dumb things. Sometimes I say dumb things, and Brandon just looks at me, and he shakes his head, and the beard's going side to side, and I know that look. I'm like, oh, <laughs> right? Like, that happens. But there's a, there's a love there, and I, as we yes. transition into communion today, we, I, I thank you for pointing us to the gospel, to the blood of Jesus, and not to the exclusion of caring about justice. The only way we understand forgiveness is there was justice. Jesus paid the price. Yes. He gave his life and he suffered an injustice in order that we can have justice with God. Amen. And so if we're going to go to the street and protest and say, uh, I want what's right, it's because God has made what's right with me and I want to reflect uh, how, how he loves me and how he loves us. Very well said. Is that helpful? Yes. Uh, anything else you want to say before we transition to communion? Yeah, I will say that it's, it's, um, as, a, as an African-American man in 
America today, um, I, I do experience a lot of freedoms, and I'm so thankful for it. Like I said, I'm thankful for the progress that we've made. Uh, my concern when these types of events take place is, is that we're in jeopardy of going backwards. But my dilemma is that I'm raising two African-American men. I myself, I've been stopped by police um, and literally have had the thought, and I don't know if you can kind of empathize or, or sympathize with this, but I've had the thought of, am I going to survive uh, this encounter with police? And it challenges me to make sure that I'm doing every, everything the way that I know I'm supposed to be doing it. Right? So riding with insurance and, and, and everything being up to date and having my license where they need to be. Um, you know, outside of church, I am definitely a licensed concealed carry holder. And that can be a little sketchy when you're pulled over by police. And so the, re the, the responsibility is to know your laws, to know what's required of you when I'm being stopped by the police. And I had one particular instance in Cuyahoga Falls. Um, believe it or not, where the cop pulls up on me and, uh, and the flashing lights. And um, what you're supposed to do if you're a gun owner is to keep your hands visible at all times. They say put uh, ten fingers on the steering wheel. Um, but you're also supposed to give the cop your license, both your driver as well as your concealed carry. And then you put your hands back on the steering wheel. And while I was going through this scenario, this process, what was playing over and over in my mind was the event regarding uh, Philando Castile, who was a young African-American male, and he was a passenger in the car with his, with his girlfriend, and he also was a concealed carry holder. And he let the police know ahead of time that, hey, I have a gun on me, but I also have a license for it. Would you like it? And the police told him no at one time. You don't have to get it to me. But then he also said, yes, please, let me have your license. And it is when he went to reach for his license that the cop shot him four times. And I said, Lord, it's like, dang, if you, when you do the right thing, dang, if you do the wrong thing. And, and so I'm really concerned because it, the level of hopelessness that exists for an African-American male in this society today is when you're trying to do right, you could still get killed by the police. As a challenge for me, and I want to convey that. I want you to feel, not necessarily feel, but see where I'm coming from. This is why we do need empathy and we do need understanding. That should not exist in this country. Their job is to protect and to serve. And oftentimes we see the police officers cause or escalate the situation instead of de-escalate the situation when they show up to a situation. And so my job or desire, thank God, I'm still here today. Obviously, I wasn't shot by a cop. But I really try to talk in a manner of respect and be calm with the police officer. And I was wrong. Let me say that. So what happened was, is my tag, you know our tags that we pay $1,000 for every year on our birthday to have renewed? My tags 
where six months expired. It was at a time where I was going through a lot, had a lot on my mind, and you know how that goes. One day leads to five, five leads to six months. And so... Just don't do that with your anniversary. I won't do that with my anniversary. Yeah, don't do that. I won't do that. I don't want there to be marriage brutality. Um, but yes, so I was wrong, but because of how I responded to the police officer, he was lenient on me, even though there was six months expiration on my tag. So when I deal with hopelessness as an African-American male, there are events and times like that when they're, when they're peaceful resolutions. And it does. It inspires me. And it gives me hope. And where I can tell my son, hey, just make sure you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. Do the right thing. And maybe you'll increase your chances or your odds of making it through an encounter with a police officer. So I'm raising black boys. So please pray for me. Please pray for us. Please pray for all of the African-American community as we try to decipher and work through these, these issues that have deep roots and systemic and prejudice and racism. And, um, you know, you have the agendas that are after American, uh, African-American males, the school to prison pipeline, to name one. Um, you have the prisons that are privatized. And you have a demographic of people who are being targeted because of the war on drugs. And a lot of uh, African-American males um, are being incarcerated at a higher rate than any other community in our history. And so it is a challenge to be black. It is a challenge to be a man. But I'm so thankful for the grace of God and for the mercy of God. And he stands to represent us. I believe we're going to be all right. But sometimes that's hard to determine. So please pray for us. I want to challenge you real quick in my closing. Love must be intentional in order for there to be unity. Would you agree with that statement? Yes, love must be intentional in order, to, in order for there to be unity. Who better to understand that, but also to display that than the church? You and I, I think the only difference between you and I and a, a person that is not a believer is that you recognize the mercy and the grace that God has on your life. And your response is that I'm going to give my life to you in return to the mercy and the grace that you've extended toward me. I think that that's what we need in this society. Will these issues be worked out? I pray that they will. And I hope that they will be worked out, but it is a long road ahead. So maybe, but maybe you as an individual can work to refine your reactions and your responses to people of the African American community. And instead of responding to Black Lives Matter, with confusion, anger, and opposition, you don't have to say anything at all. I really feel like sometimes that is the best thing that God does for us, is that he just lets us know he's there for us. He said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Even times when he's quiet, when we're going through our trials and tribulations. Sometimes just knowing that he's there. Sometimes having people who quietly love you and understand and empathize with you because by the way this is injustice is a humanitarian crisis it is a crime against humanity would you agree with that 
We all have rights. We all deserve to be treated fairly and equally. Would you agree with that? And to not uh, be treated unjustly because we look different or we smell different or we talk different. But we all are people created by the same God and we deserve to be treated equally and fairly. So injustice, it is a crime against humanity. Sometimes silence is agreement. But also protest sometimes against the cry is one that says you don't have a right to cry and feel the way that you feel. So please, let's uh, love people intentionally. Uh, believe it or not, we are all here together. I'm black, you're white, and you have to deal with me if you like it or not. <laughs> I have to deal with Kevin sometimes, even though I don't want to. I'm just playing. I love Kevin. I love Kevin, and he has to deal with me sometimes, even if he is challenged. But it's just what it is. We deal with each other, and I feel like if we could emphasize less our differences, that may be a challenge, too, because uh, it just is what it is. But maybe let's not put so much emphasis on being black and, and being white. Maybe let's not put so much emphasis on our cultural differences. You know, white people do it this way. Black people do it this way. But how about we say, according to John 12, Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw men to me. What he was saying was, is that if I get out this grave, I'm going to raise others up as well. If I get up out of this grave, and I will say this too, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that is infused through each and every one of us today. We have the ability to rise above these situations and scenarios and still allow that love of Jesus to be shown. Amen? So let's let love have this perfect work. Let's put God's glory on display. That's what Jesus was praying for in John chapter 12. He said, God, I want your glory to be on display here. Is this a prime opportunity for God's glory to be on display? Yes, sir. Yeah. Amen. Would you agree with that? Yes, sir. Amen. Let's give God a hand. Yes. Praise, Praise the Lord. Praise.